Welcome, Zoe Church, to our Christmas Eve service. How's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas from me to you. In case you're new here, my name is Ruben. I'm the pastor here at Zoe Church, and it is my privilege and honor to be with you here today to sing songs and to be able to pray together and also to open up God's word and see what God has to say to us today. But before we go any further, can we give it up one time for the amazing band that just put together worship for us? Come on. Absolutely amazing. I love you guys. They do such an amazing job, and God is truly using them in powerful ways, especially in me, because like I was worshiping back there going all out. Anyhow, we're going to jump in uh, and, and uh, into the passage of Scripture today. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you for this opportunity and this time that you've given us to be able to pause in this, uh, in this season, and in fact, to contemplate what Christmas is really about. Wherever we happen to find ourselves today, whether we're here serving, um, whether we're at home uh, or with a, a family member, or whether we're you know, in bed just waking up, whether we're seated on the couch with uh, breakfast, you know, tuning in, Jesus, I believe that you have something powerful to say to us today. I believe that you are going to speak to us today. And so Jesus, I pray that you would have every heart that is just in a posture of, I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to receive. Father God, open up our eyes and our hearts to be able to receive what you have for us today. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Being Christmas today, I wanted to talk about Christmas. What is Christmas really about? You ever wonder that question? I remember as a kid, I wondered that question, like, what is Christmas really about? I mean, I get the baby, I get all of that, but like, so what, right? Isn't that the question? Like, what is Christmas really about? And you know what, as I've kind of grown up, as I've, you know, spent years pondering this question every year during this season, I think the, the theme that I find that Christmas is really about finding life. Christmas is really about finding life and the hope that there is real life for us. I mean, whether you are uh, uh, someone who follows Jesus or whether you're like, I have nothing to do with Jesus, I just tuned in because I was scrolling off Facebook, we all share something in common and that is the pursuit of life, isn't it? Like, we're all trying to find life. Come on, come on, like, 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 listen in for a second. Like, I know this is all, we're trying to seek life, we're trying to keep life, we're trying to protect life, right? It's all about life. In fact, the reason why we work so hard to earn money is so that we can have a good life, isn't it? I mean, we have side hustles for what reason? So that we don't have to work nine to five, so that way we can save on time each day. And then what? For what reason? Because we know that life is limited. Because we know Time ain't going to wait for nobody. And we understand that, man, time is so valuable because life is so valuable. In fact, if I were to exchange it and said, I would give you everything you wanted. You didn't have to pay for a single thing ever again in your life. You had a good life, easy going. You're happy. You're joyful. You wouldn't need money. Money would mean nothing to you. You'd be like, I got everything I need. Because it's all about life. In the end, we're all in this pursuit of life. And then some of us kind of have come to this place where we realize, you know what? We believe in an afterlife because this can't just be it. Like, I, I know I'm more than just flesh and bones. There's something within me that's, 
that, 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 that's immaterial, that some, someone's believing a soul or a spirit that's like, it's not just, I'm not just molecules and atoms put together. There's something deeper than that. And so then we kind of, you know, we have this wide spectrum of some people who are like hoping for a nirvana at the end where everybody sort of have, has life and nobody ever is lost in the end. And, and then you have the other spectrum where it's like, trying to scientifically create a way in like trying to, you know, preserve your life and, and like the whole, I mean, I don't know if you watch Star Wars, but like that whole scene with Han Solo when he gets like, I don't even want to, did he get frozen? Is that, is that what happened to Han Solo? He got frozen? Yeah, he got frozen, right? Yeah, he got frozen and then all of a sudden he like, they, they, they unfreeze him or something and then he just appears like that afterwards. Like we're all in a pursuit of life because the truth is we all want a good life, a never ending life. And so what do we do? The way our culture works, right? The way the world works, the way I see it at least is we jump to religion, we jump to, you know, uh, something bigger than ourselves just to find some sort of, you know, routine or something that makes us feel like we have life, whether it's keeping laws and keeping rituals and, you know, obeying rules to whatever somebody says to us because they promise us life. Because we think that all the work that we do and the pursuit of life somehow is our ticket to heaven, is our ticket to what that end would be. Yet, what if I told you something? What if I told you that pursuing life and working for it so hard won't actually bring you real life? That no amount of good deeds, alms, good gestures, no matter how much money you give to the church, support the church, or do whatever, no amount of actions that you do will get you into heaven and will give you that life that you seek. In fact, if you ask me, I think it's one of the greatest distractions in our day today where everyone is so occupied in thinking they have to work towards life when really it's a free gift that's been given and yet no one's able to see it. See, let me explain. And I know I'm about to jump into this passage and you might be like, what does this have to do with Christmas? Trust me, I'm going to bring it back at the end, okay? We're, we're, we're going to go like all around town. I'm going to bring it back so we understand what this has to do with Christmas. There's this uh, man by the name of Paul and, and his story is really interesting. I encourage you to go and read it. You, you'll find it in the book of Acts in the Bible. But this, this man was actually a persecutor of uh, Christians. He was a devout Jew. He knew the laws, which is really important. You need to remember that. And he would persecute Christians, had a life-changing experience with Jesus, dropped everything he was doing, started following Jesus, became one of the leaders in the church, in fact, wrote most of the New Testament. And in one of his letters, to address the misunderstanding of laws and, and, and works and the way we ought to be obeying God and how salvation works and how do we find true life, he writes to this church in Galatia, uh, obviously the letter is called Galatians, and he explains something so profound here. And I want us to spend a few minutes in this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it's going to be up on the screen. And if you're like, hey, I'd like to follow along, download this app. It's called the YouVersion Bible app. It's the quickest way you'll get it right on your phone or device or whatever, and you'll be able to follow along. Uh, but it'll be on the screen until you get that. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, the middle of his letter that he's writing to this, this church in, 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 in the region of Galatia, he, he says this, For all who rely on works... 
of the law are under a curse. You see, what he's saying is, for all who are depending on their works, on the things that they do to obey what the law of God says, and they're like, I am, I am putting my hat in that, I am I'm putting my hope in this. He says, all those people are, are, are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. He's saying, listen, there's a curse over over even just relying on the law because the law is actually kind of like a catch-22. Because see, the way you keep the law, the way you keep the law to obey and this is the mark that you need to meet is you never break it. And the moment you've broken the law, now you no longer are able to keep it because you've broken it. No matter how much you try and keep it, from now onwards, you've already broken it. And here's the thing, the law, God gave the law to people when we were already in our broken state. And yet, what happened was, in their time, Jews had misunderstood this. They had thought, it's all about keeping the law. It's all about following and acting. And this is the way it looks like to be a Jew. And then even in our Christian culture today, there are so many that believe that salvation is by work. Salvation is and finding life. That's really what that means. That finding life is by the things that we do and we are able to somehow earn it. See, if we take a quick step back to understand the larger picture of this, this will help us. Sin is what brought this curse into this world. Go all the way back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. The moment they made their choice to abandon God, to reject God, to, to, to put their trust and their faith and their hope in themselves rather than God, sin entered the world. Separation, it separated them from God and God's hope and plans and life started to change. Because for Adam and Eve, well, they were not meant to have this curse. And the curse is death. I know today we think that, you know what, death is a natural part of life. It is not. Death is actually a curse of sin. It is a constant reminder that we are broken people living in a broken world. And ever since then, we have been in the pursuit of trying to find life because we have this curse of death upon us. We were not created to die, but because of the curse of our own actions, we find ourselves in this place. And so what did God do once Adam and Eve had fallen? He searched the world. He would look around the world to see if there would be anyone who would put their faith back in God, who would trust in God, who would, who would show their act and, and, and a gesture of, I am willing to follow you and trust you. Along comes a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham was given an opportunity. And because of his trust in God, because he trusted God, it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. It wasn't his actions. It was his faith. It was his belief. It was his trust to follow what God was calling him out to. And then God sends him this promise saying, you and your generation will be blessed. There will be life that comes through your seed, Abraham. That is the blessing and salvation that's going to come through you. And so then Jews, Abraham being the first Jew, followed along, believed this. They kept the covenant. They, 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 they held on to the promise. But later on, God sent the law. 
And then every single person, what they did was what culture was doing, which is they forgot about the promise. And they started holding on so tightly to the law as if law was what could save them. That somehow the works that they did and the effort that they put in, that is somehow what actually would bring them life because they were so aware of the curse that was on them. And yet what Paul says a few verses later, Galatians 3, 18, he says, for if the inheritance, if life, if salvation, if the blessing, if the hope to come, comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise, meaning that salvation was only supposed to come through promise. Then why give the law? What's the point of the works and the actions? I mean, today Christianity is labeled as, you know, you got to just follow these things and somehow God will bless you because of your actions, right? Like, like, like I feel like sometimes that's a generic uh, thing that, that, that outsiders think that Christianity really is. And yet that's not the case at all. In fact, Paul says it, very next verse. He says, verse 19, why then the law? It was added because of transgression. Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. What is he, what is he saying there? He's saying the law came because of sin, transgressions. The law came so that your sin would be known, so that you would know your sin. See, it's really hard to repent from something if you don't know what to repent from. It's really hard to realize you need a savior when you don't realize that you're broken. It's really hard to realize that you need life when you realize the life that you're leading is not real life. You're just waiting until you're 80 or 90 and then you're done. But that was not at all God's plan for us. But then you see God's redemptive work here. What does he say? Until, somebody say until with me. He says until the offspring should come. Offspring is singular here. You know why it's singular? He's talking about one person. Until the offspring, until the child, until, un, until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made, a.k.a. Jesus. And it was put in place through the angels by the intermediary. Just the last two weeks, we focused on how these two uh, 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 women encountered this angel, Gabriel, and how Gabriel was, by the, by, by the, by the, by the commands of God, was orchestrating the things for not only the coming of John the prophet, who was uh, John the Baptist, who was going to basically prophesy over what was going to happen and make the way, but for Jesus, God born as man. And then he gets to his next point, which is my next point and his, I think, his main point here in verse uh, four of chapter four. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, when the promise had been made to Abraham, when the laws had been given to make known and clear, like, hey, listen, uh, the, the, there's no way that we can ever achieve this. And so the promise is so crucial that we want to hold on to it and wait for it. When everything had lined up with Joseph and with Mary and was ready for Jesus, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and ergo daughters. This is the message of Christmas. That the real pursuit of life is not about earning it 
but accepting the promise that has come. That if we trust in what God had done through Abraham, and that promise was not only for him, but for anyone who would believe in the offspring, in Jesus, that is the gift of Christmas. That is why Jesus' birth is so crucial. That's why him coming to earth is the real sign of hope. Salvation then becomes God's gift to us, not something that we have earned as if we deserve it. Salvation then becomes something not that you've got to do. Finding life doesn't become something that you've got to get, but becomes something that God has already done for you, and will you receive it? See, this is why I believe in Jesus. Because every other so-called God and faith and religion is do this for me, then receive life, right? Do this for me, then receive life. But Jesus says, receive me because of what I've done for you. Totally different. You're not going to find any other way of life that does it the other way. And that's why for us as Christians, for us who are part of the church. This is why giving gifts during this time of year is such a good reminder to show not only your family and friends, but the world of the greatest gift ever given. Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law for one purpose, born to die. So that when he died on that cross, and he paid for your sins with his blood as he sacrificed the perfect lamb of God, sacrificed for our sins, we then no longer have to earn our way because it's impossible anyways to do that. But what we get to do is say, just like Abraham did, I'm going to put my trust back in you, God. I'm going to put my faith back in you. What Adam and Eve failed for a moment to do I am going to put my faith and my trust in you. Church, that's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much the Father loves you. That's how much the Holy Spirit loves you. That he was willing to come down for a moment and make himself the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Come down for a moment and say, I will give my life and I will surrender it so that Anyone who believes in me will not perish, will not face the curse of death, the eternal death, but will find life in me. And so this Christmas season, my encouragement to you is cherish the gift that God has given us. We have hope. We have life. It begins today and we know when our physical bodies fade away, we will go on to eternity with Jesus Christ. Be encouraged by that and share that message to anyone who will be willing to hear it. But for anyone who's here, maybe who's like, I don't really believe in Jesus. I'm not about that. My encouragement to you is, would you consider Jesus? Consider all the things I've said, because here's the thing, the pursuit of life will be the biggest decision you ever make. The pursuit of life and how you go about to find life will be the biggest decision you ever make. 
And if there is an afterlife, here's my question. Do you know where you're going? I believe in Jesus who says, look, there's nothing that you could do to earn your way to me. And so I will take the form of a baby and I will come to you and I will live a perfect life so that when I give my life up, that becomes the inheritance that I have gained. I will freely give it to you if you believe in me. If you believe in me. Jesus, thank you so much for your gift of salvation. Thank you so much for being born. Thank you so much for entering our world. Thank you so much for being you. Jesus, I pray for every single heart that is at home right now who've been feeling lonely in this season and feeling hopeless in this season and, and feel like there's, there's, that they just want to give up. Jesus, would you reach out to them? Would you speak to them? Would you meet them? Would you minister to them? Jesus, you are not far from us. And I pray that those hearts who are trying to figure out, man, what does this next step in life look like, that they would see the gift that is you, the gift of life that we don't have to earn, the gift of life that you have freely given us because you've already done the work. And so Jesus, any heart that has been on the fence, any heart that is like, I have been running after God thinking I got to do all the running and really it's you who's come to me. Jesus, I pray that they would accept you, that they would receive you. And that this Christmas season would be a life-changing season. God, we love you. And we pray that we would be your faithful church, sharing the message of the greatest gift ever given, and that is you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.